Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey Hillier, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me, some of my friends from all walks of life, as we chat about how the prophetic is purposed to build both the church and to break outside of her four walls into your world. We'll chat to prophetically minded people who will inspire you. They come from all walks of life, somebody for everyone to relate to. And each conversation has the purpose of equipping you to prophetically build and lead in the places and spaces that God has placed you. So let's go. everyone. I'm so thankful that you've joined us again today. And today I have perhaps my favorite ever guest. It's a big statement, but we are exploring the sphere of family today. But before I introduce him, let's first recap. So far in this collection, we've looked at an intro of the concepts and the theology of the seven spheres and our responsibility, empowerment and calling to operate prophetically wherever God has placed us. Now, then we chatted with James, who sparked some ideas about the business sphere and also explored the concept of rejecting this sacred and secular divide. Then we chatted with Kelly about the education sphere and looked at some of the Australian stats in relation to education. And we encouraged each other each other to pray for the people in this sphere within our world, or perhaps to even ask the Holy Spirit to give you a prophetic word for the educators in your world. Let us know how you went with that. Kelly shared some amazing stories, and I'd love to hear yours if you work in this space, or perhaps James or Kelly prompted some ideas within you. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And today, we're going to explore the sphere of family. And I couldn't do this podcast with anybody other than the man I have built a family with, my baby daddy. He is known as Jai the Rock Hillier, the rock of stability, security, immovability, consistency, and reliability, the calm to my storm, the peanut butter to my jelly. My rock, okay, that sounded wrong. Keep moving, everybody. My rock and a rock for so many others in his world. Welcome, Jai. How you going? I'm going well. So good to have you here. I'm going to start with some rapid fire questions so that sure. the peoples can get to know some random facts about you. Firstly, what's your coffee order? Uh, strong latte, one sugar. Extra shot latte, normal milk mm. with one sugar. Correct. Favourite song ever? Ooh, this is a bit difficult, but probably You're the Voice by oh John Farnham. You know what? Jai's not a dance floor man. He's not a karaoke man. But if you want to see him have a red hot go, put on your The Voice. She <laughs> on. Best band of all time? Ah, uh, you too. Yeah, easy answer. Coldplay even coming close? Oh, uh, yeah, sort of. Okay. Book you are reading at the moment? Um, reading a few, but I'm really loving reading some of the stories from uh, a great man in the past, Smith Wigglesworth, and some of the amazing faith stuff and miraculous stuff. Brilliant book. So good. Is this where we should talk about um, how much I love your version of the love languages? How there's the original five love languages book, and then there's a guy version. I am not joking. It has pictures. 
And so when someone gave that book to Jai, I was like, uh, I'm not sure how you should feel about the fact that there's a men's love languages book that's a picture book. How do you feel about that? Look, it's simplified things. <laughs> Let's put it that okay. way. Awesome. Okay, if you could have dinner with anyone, who and why? Oh, this one's a difficult one. I would have said... Shouldn't be. I'm sitting be. right opposite you. Oh, no, outside of you. <laughs> is, this, is this an excluding thy lovely wife? Yeah, yeah, give us your real answer. Right. Dinner with anyone, who and why? Um, I would probably have to say Michael Jordan. Oh, my goodness. Why? Um, because I've heard so many different things. Obviously, he's a great basketball player and leader, but I'm interested to find out exactly how far he pushed other people mm. to get them to uh, follow him that way. So my husband Jai doesn't do social media, doesn't do the Netflix, doesn't do all the things. And uh, so he hasn't seen that Michael Jordan series, probably answers most of those questions. Basically right. the dude was mean, mm. so mean. I don't yeah. think I'd like to have dinner with him. All right, so for those of you who don't know, Jai and I have four kids together here on earth. Our eldest son just turned 18, 16 13 and 11, so yes, pray for us. Yes, And we've also got two waiting for us in heaven and we can't wait till the day when we're all together. But we met when we were 18 or 19, got married when we were 20 or 21 and Mm -hmm. we have lived to tell the story. And we both now have the honour of serving at Numa Church. Um, And I see, I oversee all the fun stuff, the prophetic ministries, (laughs) And Jai, uh, what do you oversee? What's your role at church? Oh, I'm not sure you get the fun stuff. I think it's more my role. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is uh, I'm the business manager. So, you know, I get all the exciting stuff like budgets and finance and, you know, people hiring, recruiting. Profits, don't tune out. Don't tune out. Trust me. We'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, so you oversee finance, people and culture. Yeah, IT, administration, administration facilities, yeah, board, properties. governance. Yeah, all those things. You do a great job, babe. So you can hear that Jai and I are complete opposites. I'm all visions and dreams. Jai is all strategy and process. It's fair. <laughs> and it's a beautiful marriage and combination that God has put together to make us more Christ-like mm. and also for his kingdom. <laughs> In fact, we actually met through a prophetic encounter or a dream, but perhaps we'll tell that story later. But before we get into that, I want to ask you a question, and I'm actually going to give you a husband-free pass. Oh, is there such a thing? Well, we'll find out. To answer as honestly as you can or you feel led to. Right. What's it like to live with a prophet? Oh, it's an adventure. Good answer, yeah. It's, it's a good adventure, you know, not a, like, mm-hmm. I want to die adventure. It's more yeah. of a, a good adventure. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's certainly not dull and boring. Mm-hmm. It is very dynamic being um, living with a prophet, not just one, mm-hmm. um, but we have a couple of little ones who have some prophetic gifting. Yeah. So it's a very, um, but it's it's beautiful because the Lord speaks and speaks to you in different ways than mm. he speaks to me. And so I love the dynamic nature of how God speaks differently mm-hmm. and we get to work that through yeah. together. Now, this isn't in the plan. Are you going to be okay? Oh, sure. Go for it. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
I think what's a really interesting dynamic is that I hear from God prophetically, you hear from God strategically and process way. But one of the things I've had to learn is even though sometimes I see things prophetically, you're actually my spiritual leader. So that tension of us working together, what I'm hearing from God, oftentimes before you hear them or in advance, and that tension that we've had to navigate in our relationship of me not taking over the leadership role Mm -hmm. um, and choosing to allow you to lead and to present to you what I feel like God is saying to our family and us to journey that together. So for example, we grew up in Brisbane, but I heard God speaking to me about us and something that was coming up in the life of our church that he was actually going to protect us from. Mm. And we could see no evidence in the natural of this thing was going to happen. Mm. The specific word was, I'm removing you, I'm exiling you to keep your hands clean. Mm. And we then did a very countercultural thing. We moved from a large, thriving Pentecostal church where we were on staff, on TV programs with albums, all kinds of things, to the middle of nowhere and literally six weeks after we left, everything imploded and now... All our friends from that beautiful situation don't talk to one another, but we have a relationship with all of them. And we wouldn't be where we are in the church we're serving in today if we had stayed even another six weeks. Mm. But when I came and brought that to you and we could see no evidence of it in the natural, even just that journey of you and I working through the process of what I'm hearing and me submitting that to your leadership and the mutual honor, which is what the Bible talks about that you and I have had to walk. What's that like for you? Um, Well, it's been a journey. Hmm. I think very early on um, in the prophetic, you're developing in the prophetic. When we were first married, you know, you were, you were starting to develop Mm -hmm. and growing and maturing. And I think, but I think over that journey, as we've walk different roads. It mm-hmm. started with small things and it's gotten to bigger and bigger things. God cont- uh, continues to, and now it's it's really interesting how the journey's gone on because now when you speak, because God speaks to me strategically sort of in the longer term, you're, you, and, and you see pictures, the pictures that you speak to me, my strategic brain automatically, that gifting automatically connects the two now. Mm. It didn't do that early on though. It didn't Mm. do that in our early twenties. So it was a much more difficult process of navigation when I didn't really understand how God had gifted me in. And and so in that leadership role, it was, it was a difficult, often a wrestle to. Or a literal throw down fight. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. To, to work that through and to workshop that through. But I think now the beauty of it is the synergy of this now, when you speak and when prophetic vision comes, it's very easy. I'm immediately spiritually connected with mm. what the Lord is speaking and I'm finding I'm fleshing out different elements. You've sort of painted the picture and, and it's, it's filling the whole picture out yeah. um, for me. Or another way to put it is that when we first got married, I was all passion and you were all wisdom. And as each of us have grown in our relationship with God, not necessarily pursued, I wasn't pursuing growing in the prophetic I was just growing in my relationship with God and the natural fruit of that was growing in the fruit of the spirit and then the gifting developing on top of that. And same thing for you. You're what you were working in the corporate world. You were growing in your own, going on your own journey with God, growing as a man of God, 
growing in your wisdom, your stature, your favour with men and then bring those things together and we've learnt how to lean on one another. So I have learnt to listen when you're like, not yet, because the urgency of a prophet is very, very real. Another thing, Jai, is that I feel all the feels. So when small things go down in our house... Uh, whether it's here and now with our natural kids or with spiritual kids at church, things that might be a blip on other people's radar can be deep grief for me. Mm. And I was really encouraged actually reading in 1 Samuel just the other day where it actually talks about Samuel grieved what God regretted and then the Lord had to come to Samuel and be like, Samuel, how long are you going to keep grieving for Saul? And that's actually often my process with God. Is it something will happen with a leader in church or a situation with the kids and I really will grieve it deeply because if there's anything that's going to move me, it's God's church or my kids. Mm. And so I'll grieve it and it will take for you or God to come and be like, how long are you going to grieve about that? What's it like to have to uh, know and navigate when's the time to give me the space to grieve When's the time to come alongside? When's the time to cover? When's the time to say, come on, that's enough, let's keep moving? Um, yeah, good question. Uh, it's, it's, and that's the million-dollar question, uh, <laughs> I think. But to put uh, the timing aside, I think there's always one thing that I do, which is to cover. Mm-hmm. I think the, the role of a husband, the role of a father is to cover their family, cover their children. So what, when I, what I mean by that is prayer, um, being staying strong in the Lord, making sure that the kingdom is my focus at mm-hmm. all times and covering those who are within my direct responsibility mm-hmm. in prayer is, a, is the critical point. So, so prayer is always the first thing. Um, and that's, that may not necessarily be us together. Mm-hmm. That might be me just praying over you, mm-hmm. praying for you before we go to sleep or after you're asleep and mm-hmm. I'm praying or whatever's going on. That's the key thing for me. And then in terms of the timing of having a particular conversation, I think it, it comes down to just knowing uh, how deeply and how, how much something has affected you, mm. how deeply you're grieving something. Mm-hmm is is a key part to work out on the journey. And sometimes it's earlier, sometimes it's later. Mm. Sometimes I feel I need to just bring, um, you know, so, uh, something that's a, a, a wider concept to the table sometimes, which might be, which might widen the view on yeah. some of those things that you're grieving. Yeah. Um, yeah, and sometimes I, that helps and sometimes it doesn't. Because sometimes I can get stuck in the grief of the thing, it becomes the biggest thing Mm. and you will help bring a bigger picture to that, um, which is very helpful. And I've had to grow in not needing you to be God in my life. So when I am feeling all the feels, not trying to make you be Jesus to me or the Holy Spirit, because as beautiful as it is to receive a hug from you or some stability from you, you're not the comforter. You're not the Holy Spirit. So I've had to learn, one, how to communicate with you. You've had to learn when to ask the right questions. Hey, is this something you're grieving? Is there something that you need to talk to me about? What's actually going on here? Or is this a time where you need space to process? Mm-hmm. So we've both had to really grow about in all of that. But uh, that was actually free content. So you're welcome, <laughs> everyone. 
Um, let's talk, Jai, about the sphere of family. Yeah. I'm just going to lay a bit of a foundation of where we are in our nation. Um, so in 2021, for the first time in Australia's history, the nuclear family will no longer be the most common household. Today, the nuclear family makes up 33% of all households. Within just a year, the couple-only household will be the most common type of household, so households with no children. With the decline of the nuclear household structure, we're often seeing three generations living under one roof. So baby boomers are being sandwiched by taking care of their own parents, who are the builders generation, while still having their Gen Y children living with them and studying or saving for a house. And this type of arrangement is often a significant financial advantage for Gen Y, who have a new nickname, which I loved. It's Kippers, which are kids in parents' pockets, eroding retirement savings. <laughs> That's rude. Why did we never get on that train? I don't know. Wish we'd been Kippers. <laughs> so they might be saving 15 grand a year on rent alone by living with their parents. But for mum and dad, retirement plans are delayed and retirement savings significantly decrease. Australian families are changing dramatically with record birth rates taking place. Over 300,000 babies are being born every year, more than were born in the original baby boom in post-World War II. It's not that more women are deciding to have children, but those who are are having more than previously. So as a result, Australia is actually seeing an increase in the family size. So this is actually a really interesting tension that we're going to, for the first time, see more couple-only households with multiple generations, but the ones who are having families are having larger families. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk Gen Z for a moment. We've got four Gen Zers, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Four million Australians have been born since the year 2000. On average, they'll live longer, stay in education longer, and work across more careers than any prior generation. I think we're about to have four kippers. They are the most materially supplied, technologically saturated, globally connected and formally educated generation ever. They are living their formative years in a time of massive demographic transformation, a population growing by more people in a decade than ever, more culturally diverse than ever and older than ever. In the nearly 14 years of their lifespan, they've seen more change than any generation before them. They began their life in the internet era by being shaped in the world of social media. So while the PC era era dominated their birth years, the mobile device era is transformative today. With the oldest entering their teen years, their lexicons are filled with terms that didn't exist at their birth. Apps, tweets, tablets, status updates, and cloud computing. Now, only occasionally does massive demographic change collide with huge technological growth and significant social change. In fact, you can't point to many times in history when that's happened. But this is exactly what our four kids, Generation Z, has experienced. And so the confluence of these trends has transformed their society. It's actually radically, radically different to the times that shaped you and I's world and it's an unrecognisable world to the world their grandparents first knew. So, Jai, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges in raising a godly family, which is one of the most powerful things we can do to shape this sphere as parents, raising godly kids? Or maybe, like, what do you think is the biggest generational challenge as parents raising four Gen Zs? It's a great question. Um, I think the biggest generational 
challenge for um, any parents is being relevant, but not just being relevant led by the world, being relevant in a kingdom of God manner. Mm -hmm. So taking the principles of the kingdom of God and being able to shape those principles Mm -hmm. into a relevant fashion and conversation. Yeah. I think if we lose our if we lose our ability to um, transfer the Hebrew world of when Jesus was around and when the Bible was written and before, if we had lose our ability to take what was happening in that context and transfer the principles of the kingdom into into our world today, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like, then we we will lose our kids because those things are the foundations. Yeah, and we're working real hard on that. Um, and we'll talk about some practical soon. By the way, if you can hear our washing machine in the background, welcome to our life. <laughs> the reason that I wanted to give these stats and ask that question is because when God lays something on my heart, I kind of think of it like a puzzle. So this is as a prophetic person. I'm dropping some prophetic tips here. So in Proverbs 25, 2, it says it's one of my favorite verses. It's the glory of God to conceal things but the glory of kings is to search things out. Mm. So this is what I do. If God drops like a concept, like do seven spheres on the podcast, talk about the sphere of family as I'm praying, as I'm preparing, I, I go and put the puzzle together, gather the puzzle pieces. And that's what those stats are to me. I'm searching things out so I know how to pray, so I know how to intercede. And so I can see what the prophetic needs are and then pray, prophesy and act according to what he's revealing. So let's talk for a moment about what does God say about family? The Bible uses the word family 123 times and the word families 174 times. And he clearly, God clearly establishes himself as the God of families. You think about even the Trinity reflects a family dynamic. In Psalm 68, 5 to 6, we read, He's the father of the fatherless, protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. He sets the solitary in a home. The concept of family and home is on God's heart and therefore should be a priority on our hearts. And without infiltrating and modeling the gospel through the way we do family, and if we do family well, that is a gospel message. How we have a voice in the formation of policies that affect family, the way we teach and equip and serve families are all matters of huge importance as Christians and as prophetic people. And we do not have to be highly prophetic to see that the nature of family and what even constitutes family is changing drastically right under our nose. And soon this sphere could be a completely different landscape that less and less reflects the family construct in God's heart. Well, not on my watch. So how do we affect this sphere? I'm going to give three tips before I ask Jai some more questions. First way to affect this sphere is grow and develop godly families with children who know how to walk in righteousness and bring God's kingdom to earth. And Jai just touched on that. Secondly is pray and intercede prophetically and strategically. Do you know what the greatest challenges are in this sphere right now? Do you know what bills that affect the family construct currently are in our parliament? Do you know about the challenges that support industries like social workers and psychotherapists who are working with families now face? We need to know about these things and pray into them and Actually, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to chat about some of these challenges when we get to the medical sphere, because even the way psychologists can work with families 
is drastically changing because of some of the truths we're departing from. But if you want to pray prophetically and strategically, go find some puzzle pieces and allow heaven to give you a a blueprint for breakthrough. Remembering, as we've mentioned in other podcasts, we are powerful prophetically on our knees, not just on a platform. The third tip to affect this sphere, take action. We need to be developing action strategies that are both preventative and redemptive. By preventative, I mean establishing or defending laws that strengthen the family unit. As prophetic people, we should be asking God to show us what is next for families so that we can start to create action. What do you want the family to look like? What do you want family to look like in my home, in my community, through the church, and then building towards that? And then by preventative, I mean establishing or defending laws that strengthen the family unit, educating our churches, educating our children, educating the people who work in this sphere. Redemptive strategies are where through the leading of the Holy Spirit, we find ways to restore, rebuild and recover family life that has been lost. In fact, Joy, I'm going to pray right now uh, just for a burden and a strategy and action plan to fall on people who are positioned in just the right places to do something that prevents and redeems the family in this nation. So if you're listening and you're not driving, just lift your hands and we're just going to pray for a moment. Yes, thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray for every parent that's listening right now, yes. for every person who works in the sphere of family, yes. for every person who has influence in family, mm. leadership of families. God, I thank you that 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that what no eye has seen, ear has heard, heard or heart of man could imagine, we have access to through your Holy Spirit. I pray that right now every person under the sound of my voice would begin to receive prophetic strategy and wisdom from your heart Mm. for family. You love family. You set the lonely in family. Mm. You created this concept of family. Mm. And God, your desire is to see strong families preaching a gospel message with their life and their words. And so, Lord, I just pray that for those who are in policy right now, give them godly policies. Mm. For those who are struggling with children right now, give them godly wisdom. Yes, God. Give them insights into the heart of their children. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, Jai, just before we move into talking about prophetic atmospheres in the home, I want to put before you some stats related to our kids in 2021, mm. particularly with COVID, because it is a time to pray and act. So what I saw happening as I prepared was that as I shared these stats, God started to download strategy and insight to people to get up and go and influence this sphere powerfully. Yeah. Um, so he is about to download prophetic insight and solutions to people right now. We've just prayed it. Okay, here's some stats. The Victorian Agency for Health Information has revealed an average of 342 children suffering mental health issues have been presented to an emergency department each week in 2021. According to the report, the worst cases where teens required resuscitation and emergency treatment surged in May to 37.3 teenagers per week for six weeks straight. The daunting figures mark an 83% rise on similar cases in the previous year 
and a 162% increase on 2019. The 16-page report revealed an average of 156 teens a week were rushed to hospital after self-harming and suffering suicidal ideation, which is an 88% increase on last year. A child psychologist who asked to remain anonymous said these numbers are unequivocally awful. They show increased demand. They show no increase in services because services were already at capacity. Our units are completely overrun. People, we need to rise up in this sphere. Please, 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 prophetic people, hear me. Arise, pray, act. Let this break your heart and don't let it stay there and become a sad session. Let it provoke you to action. Mm. Please yeah. ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you do. So, Jai, let's talk now on that note. That's full on, hey? It is. It's really full on. Yeah. About raising prophetic kids or fostering prophetic atmospheres right here in our home. In the area that we're most effective in our home, our sphere of influence. Let's start by reading Joel's prophecy quoted in Acts 2. Do you want to read that out, Jai? Yes. This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy and your young men will see visions. Your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I love that scripture because it talks about men and women and children will prophesy. Mm. So what are some of the things we've done to raise our kids as though the prophetic is normal? Um, I think we've never um, we've never said anything like, you know, there's, there's this junior... Junior, or you're only a kid, you can't do particular things yeah, with we, the faith. We say there's no junior Holy Spirit. No junior Holy Spirit, yeah. There's no junior walk with God. There's no junior relationship with God. Mm-hmm. There's no junior revelation of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, All of those things are possible to the kids. So we've never put any lid, I guess, yep. on their 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 thinking, their capability, their um, the yep. way they've interacted with God. Yeah, and we've always asked them a lot of questions and valued God's voice in their life. Mm. So when we're making decisions, we'll ask the kids, what do you think God's saying? Yeah. Um, Or when we have a family prayer time, we finish it with who saw something, who heard something, what's God saying? Yeah. And then they'll each share and sometimes we're there a very long time. And do you remember one night when all the boys really heard something quite profound from God and then Edie, our youngest, was like, I saw a pink ribbon. And we were like, that's awesome, Edie. But, you know, you want to value that in your kids and we want it to be normal, don't we? So, yeah, we do family devotion. We pray. We ask them lots of questions. Yeah. They each have a journal beside their beds where we've encouraged them to write down their dreams Mm. and esteemed their dreams, honoured what God's given them and helped them break that down. Mm. You have a bit of a practice when you pray for them last thing each night. Oh, yes. Yep. Goodness, they hold you accountable to that, don't they? Oh, they certainly do. I can't, I can't go anywhere, do anything without praying for them now. Yep. Um, but it's a beautiful covering yep. uh, as they go to sleep, and I just pray a blessing over them each night. Yeah. Um, as they go to sleep, and pray that God would speak to them in their sleep and give yep. them dreams and visions, exactly yep. as this uh, scripture in Acts talks of. Yep. Um, so, yeah. We live like we expect it. 
We live that's like right. we expect to see this, yeah, that's right. this scripture manifest in our kids' lives and in our home. So you take the night shift where you pray for them and even the 16 and 18-year-old, they'll come up and be like, Dad, hurry up. You haven't come and prayed for me. <laughs> yep. And yet I'm the one who will in the morning be like, did you dream anything? Did God say anything to you overnight? And try and help them unpack that. Yeah. Um, we've also never hidden from them what God's saying to us and made mm. that a normal part of our conversation with them as well, hey. Yeah, revelation yeah. Is, has been a key thing, um, I, I feel, and I, I try to be intentional about the revelation God reveals to me yeah. um, and talking that through and deciphering that in, in um, ways that are helpful at their level yeah. of comprehension. So walking through practical examples of that sort of thing, the revelation God has brought and spoken to, to me about mm-hmm. to then help them to apply that into their own life, to recognise the, the signs of that as they walk out their own life. And yeah. I think as they do that, they start to see the kingdom of heaven manifest, but they also see what the spirit of this world and the polar opposite that those two things are mm. um, as they walk it out. So, yeah, tried to impart you know as much revelation as God's given to me and give it straight on. Well, that actually leads to this next question because we're seeing our kids respond to things like gender transition in their Christian school right now, mm. depression. They've yep. got friends who are self-harming. Yeah. And so the greatest gift that you and I have tried to give them is to teach them their identity in Christ. And, you know, prophetic people will have heard this example used many times, but a bank teller doesn't study counterfeit notes. They study the real thing so that then when a counterfeit note comes across their teller, they recognize it quickly. Mm. This is what we've tried to do with our kids. Rather than speaking so much to the issues of the day, although we're nightly having conversations about how do we love that person who's transitioning, etc. Yeah, We have tried to give them the building blocks of an identity in Christ mm. so they recognize the counterfeit. So do you want to share with everybody, for example, what you did on our holidays last year with the kids oh, each morning? Yeah, so I really felt impressed in my heart um, to, to take the kids through um, a real core identity understanding of the kingdom. So a process where every morning we would um, get up at whatever time it was, seven o'clock or whatever the nominated time was. And we had a a rooftop um, holiday apartment, as you know. And and so we'd go up onto the roof looking out over the ocean and, and I'd run them through, I'd run them through. And this is, I guess, what I was talking about before with revelation. I'd I'd run them through a particular revelation or or process that God Mm -hmm. had taken me on Mm -hmm. to help them to unpack and understand their identity, Mm -hmm. the simplicity of that core conviction that I'm a son of God and, um, or a daughter of God. And I, I talk specifically to the fact that as a parent, I'm only a steward of each or one of them. Yeah. I'm not God and they can't put their trust in me entirely. I am their representation of God and I have them until, um, you know, till they leave my home basically, and then they go, but they need to develop that connection with their own heavenly father, understanding they're his son first. Yeah. And then I've just been entrusted with them for yeah. a period of time. And you've been, you know, we've been entrusted with them for that period of time. And I think that's something you do really well as you've given them the principles. And whilst, um, you've 
I am also passionate about teaching them from the word of God. I am also really big on teaching them how to know the voice of the Holy Spirit because when they leave our home, they'll take those principles that we've taught them, but the Holy Spirit will go with them. And my everyday prayer over it over them is they would know the voice of the Holy Spirit so well yes. when they even leave our home and go to school or when they ultimately move out when they're not keepers anymore that they would know the way and walk in it, not just because our voice is the primary voice anymore, but because we've transitioned them to the Holy Spirit being the primary voice yes. in their life. Yeah. So off the back of that story about sharing all those principles with our kids, I want to read a quote from Bill and Benny Johnson's book called Raising Giant Killers. They say, either we teach our children intentionally about God, about life, about values, about individual responsibility and God's purpose and destiny for us, or our silence will teach them. Mm. Being unintentional in these things teaches them complacency, indifference, a divided heart, cowardly living and living for the temporal over the eternal. It is vital that we rise up and teach our children. We are the ones God has gifted to accomplish the impossible through the generation put into our charge. Like all gifts, teaching is best developed through consistent use. Mm. Many government officials are well-intentioned and they must react to the few people who exhibit great negligence in parenting. But good intentions cannot replace the wisdom of God's design. Mm. We must not give up our ground on this matter. Understanding the design of the designer is critical. Prayerfully consider how to respond to the challenge you face in your part of the world. So Jai, could you maybe share a story about when our kids have prophesied into our lives and it's led and guided us? Well, the one, the one story that um, just keeps coming back to me is when I was um, worshipping in church one day and one of our boys who was, I think, 14 or 13 or 14 maybe at the time came up to me and puts his hand on my shoulder and just starts praying over me and he starts prophesying some things um and i'm like wow this is this is i won't share the exact specifics so a bit private but he shared he just shared from his heart Mm. and then it was funny that you know a week or two later um, a, a recognised prophet mm. basically brought the same mm-hmm. word yep. in guidance um, and I've obviously walked that journey out over the last few years yeah. to, to see it come to fruition. So, yeah, it's amazing how God yeah. works through the kids when you let them. And how encouraging that was for that child to go back and say, hey, this prophet actually prophesied the same thing over me that you did. Mm. You are hearing the Holy Spirit totally confirms that, no yeah. junior Holy Spirit. Or I remember one night we were having a family prayer meeting and um, we asked each of the kids what they saw. One of the children didn't know we were praying about the activation of the saints in the church. And this child had a vision of a Bunnings warehouse with shelves packed with all the tools. Mm. And Jesus was over the building like, why aren't my people coming in here and using all the tools I've given them? Why is Bunnings <laughs> empty? Yeah. And he didn't realize that he was putting a picture to exactly the message that we needed to deliver to some of our leaders and our team. So mm. it's been awesome. I also think one of the things we're pr- really privileged with in our church is we have a lot of prophets come through. So we've never been 
um, ashamed to just say, can you pray for our kids? Mm. Let our kids receive the laying on of hands and being prophesied over. Yeah. We had a significant health breakthrough with one of our kids when Mike Connell prayed for them. Mm. Remember that? He had he went out on the ground and yeah. had yeah. a vision of Jesus. Yeah, he was out for, I don't know, half an hour. He's, he was the you know the one lying after everyone's gone and yeah, we're about to turn the lights kid. off. Yep. And he was only, what, 12 maybe yep. or something at the time. Not 12. Yeah, and really got impacted and a vision of Jesus and it really... It really um, rocked him in in the, the best possible way. He yeah. was absolutely blown away that God would come and show, or Jesus would show Himself to him in that way. Um, mm-hmm. It was a really powerful moment for him. Yeah, well, Jesus actually came and touched him somewhere on the body where he was actually needing healing mm. and yeah. healed him. Yeah. So it was pretty epic. All right, another quote um, before I ask you to pray for families and everyone who works and is involved in the sphere of family. And this is again from that same Bill Johnson book. He says, "Um, instead of attributing the prophetic to a gift that we have or don't have, consider this. In God's economy, certain graces or divine abilities come with the position he gives us, not because of our personal gifts or talents. For example, even ungodly kings and leaders receive a gift from God that enables them to rule well. How they use that ability is up to them, of course, but the ability comes through the office or responsibility they are given. This means that God has enabled parents to obtain a prophetic grace for the family simply because of their role as parents and because they ask. This is really an important part of how God's world functions. Not only that, but we are commanded to desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. The point is, not only is it legal to pursue specific gifts or expressions of the Holy Spirit, it is commanded. As parents, we need this in a big way. Prophetic seeing is essential for raising children. Since the prophetic enables us to see, our perception of issues becomes clearer, as does our ability to see things like destiny, purpose, and calling. This is available for every believer, but especially to the parent for his or her family, and we need every advantage that God has provided for us. Mm. So I really hope for everyone who's listening today who works in the sphere of family, is raising a family, has a desire for a family one day, that what you're hearing through Jai and I chatting, presenting these stats is, one, how you can pray. Number two, that God would be downloading ideas to you through the Holy Spirit that you can act on prophetically. And three, that you would hear, if you are a family, that the way we raise our kids to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, you hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit should be part of your everyday parenting and part of their everyday life. It is our inheritance. We are living in the last days where our children will prophesy and they will dream dreams. So Jai, can you please pray for everyone who's listening today, parents and for those who are involved in the sphere of family? Sure. Lord, we thank you for the family. Father, we thank you for what you have constructed. And Lord, we thank you for every person that's listening to this um, podcast today. Lord, we thank you that you have placed them in a family, however that is and however that's constructed in this world. Lord, you've placed them there. But bigger than that, you've placed them in the family of God. You've placed them in the church. They are part of the bride. And Lord, I ask that you would help us, Lord, as we navigate 
family situations, dynamics of our world today. I pray for prophetic insight for every person, every person who is trying to navigate, people who are dealing with families, raising families, whatever interaction they may have. They're obviously part of a family, but Lord, I pray that prophetic insight will guide, will give us clarity, that Father, clarity will come to eyes Clarity will come to the vision for the future. Clarity will come to what the kingdom intends a family to look like, Lord. Clarity will come with identity, Father God. I pray over every single one who is listening that, that, that their identity in you would be clarified, that, that children, as much as parents, as much as grandparents, would be clarified, Father God, that you would give them prophetic insight into how they can then further your kingdom, mm-hmm. to bring your kingdom to earth, to see your kingdom come, your will be done. And Lord, we thank you for every person involved in helping families, looking after families, counselling families. Lord, I pray for wisdom yeah. from heaven. As many of these people have to deal with um, limitations that may stop them from practicing particular methods and kingdom ideas in their practices. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom that is straight from your heart to theirs. Lord, that would supersede any ideas of man, any principles that may seek to take away from your kingdom. And Lord, I ask that your hand would be on us, that your clarifying sight would be in us, and that, Father God, you would bless every family Lord, help us to stand for a culture, a kingdom culture in our families. Help us to only stand for that culture, Father God. We thank you for all that you've instilled. And Lord, we thank you for the wisdom that you give us each day and the revelation that you give us each day if we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. God, we just pray for every Gen Z that's listening right now. Those stats that we rattled off earlier, you know, 300 and something lives a week who are presenting to emergency departments. Mm. Father God, we ask for your intervention. Lord, Lord, I pray that even right now, if there is a child, a teenager who is self-harming or is having suicidal thoughts or who, spirit of despair, I speak to you and in the name of Jesus, I render you null and void and powerless. I pray, Prince of Peace, that you would surround them, that you would go to them, send your angels to them, God. God. Send the comforter to them, Lord Jesus. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to the caregiver in the home right now Mm -hmm. and tell them to go to their child. Father, we also pray for vulnerable children in this season who are home, locked down in homes that aren't necessarily safe. Mm -hmm. Father, you told us in your word through your prophet Micah, that we should take care of orphans and widows and those who can't take care of themselves. Mm. Lord, we present in prayer before you these vulnerable children. We ask you to protect them. I'm praying anybody who works in that sphere right now, involved with families who's listening right now, would you give them favour, open doors, prophetic insight, prophetic ideas and ways to make change and to influence to protect these children. God, I pray we would not feel hopeless. We would not feel like it's too big, but we would be reminded even right now, you hear these prayers and you act on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, babe, for being part of the podcast. Thanks for having me. No worries. 
And thanks, legends, for listening. We love hearing your feedback, so keep sending it through. Make sure you do all the things, subscribe, review, yada, yada. Also, got a bit of a thing happening, an ebook on my website, which is new. Check it out, stacyhillier.com. My business manager husband will be way blessed if you buy one of those. <laughs> and actually, so will my family. My family's fear will be well blessed. <laughs> all right, take care. Talk to you all soon.